G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. We've just come back from the Gulf province and so the Pacific Link would be at anchor in a wide area of the river and then every morning the healthcare workers and volunteers, we'd get loaded onto the Zodiacs. There were three Zodiacs and we would do at least a one-hour journey upriver into sort of the shallower waters to the more remote villages. And these villages have absolutely no access to any form of medical facility. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today, Wayne and Chris Burke share their story as a couple and how they met and married. But we'll also share about the unique ministry they're involved in, where they minister to people via a ship ministry. All that and more is coming up today as Chris and Wayne have a chat with Karen Hunt. You've just now returned from being on a medical ship with Youth With A Mission, having come down from Papua New Guinea. We have, um, I served up there for a three-week outreach and Wayne was up there for six weeks, so it was a, a fantastic time. So Wayne, you're the professional Christian seafarer. Is that your descriptor of yourself? I'm professional, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Christine, you're the wife of now. I'm do you the like wife that of, term? No, I don't. I, I actually accompanied Wayne. He was the ship's captain up there for that time. They needed someone to relieve the captain whose wife was having a child in Townsville. Oh, there you go. So we stepped up to the challenge and Wayne committed himself for a six-week period. And I was a little apprehensive, so I just said, well, oh, just ease my way into it and I'll do three weeks. So together, you guys have actually moved around quite a bit within Australia. What brought that about, Wayne? Uh, well, uh, as a marine pilot, which is what, what I currently do now, I used to move around from port to port. So we were used to living in rural towns. We knew the limitations of, of towns. Tell me, how did you guys actually meet? Is that okay to share that story? Oh, I like oh, these stories. Yeah. <laughs> Give us your version, Chris. (laughs) Well, we met in, uh, we we still have to get our years right because we thought we were celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary this year. We went on a fabulous holiday, got home and checked our wedding (gasps) certificate and it's only year 29. (gasps) So we always managed to get the dates and years wrong. When I first met Wayne, I was nursing and Uh he was finishing his um, ship's master's study. Mm -hmm. So I was studying, he was studying and he was away at sea for quite large chunks of of the year. So it was an interesting relationship. We were married in 85, 84, 84. This I think it was 84. <laughs> yes, well, Wayne went straight back to sea after our wedding, uh, and I went oh, on a wow. Europe trip with my sister. Oh, my goodness me. Backpacking around Europe. And we met, we met at a sailor's and a nurse's party. Did you? But that honeymoon <laughs> period, that's, you know. Yeah. We've had lots of great yeah. times since then I, to I make up for it. <laughs> <laughs> so when you did reunite and reconnect as a married couple, where were you then? Well, we weren't Christians and it was interesting because we realised that to 
We wanted to start a family and we realised that our relationship needed to be together That's to be able to do that. To and, and Wayne decided he'd take the step and come ashore and take on a, a still working at sea because you can't take the salt water out of a sailor. Uh-huh. So he decided to specialise in piloting. Right. And so that meant him leaving the sea and having more a land-based role. I can actually still be on shifts but come home most nights into my own bed, which nice. is plus add to my lovely lady wife there. And you have two children? We have three sons. Three children, three yes. boys? three grown sons. Three boys. Yes. Mm. Two's enough. <laughs> How old are they now? Uh, Luke's 23, mm-hmm. Matt's 26 nearly, James is 27 nearly. And so have they been a part of your seafaring mm. days as well? Yes. Tell us they, more. Uh, well, we, we took the family away as a unit in 1997 with a, another Christian organisation called Operation Mobilisation. Mm-hmm. Um, I served as one of the professional crew. There. I was the chief officer on her, on the vessel called the Doulos. And uh, Chris was doing multiple sort of tasks on the ship and the children actually went to school on the ship. There was about... We had about 400 people living wow, on the ship. Wow, really? Yeah. That many? Yeah, so that was the start of Christian ministry for us on the marine side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Wayne realised that it was such a, a narrow margin of professional seamen who have a faith, a Christian faith, that can actually go and serve in that capacity. And so for him it was like, like he shared with me, for many years after he became a Christian, he questioned, well, why, Lord, did you allow me to get into this profession? Mm. Because his background's quite interesting. And that has now come all the way around. He's realised. This was the reason, yeah. In fact, when we contacted Operation Mobilisation, I said, you know, this is my skill set and do you need anyone? And they basically said, when can you start? Wow. So, and the rest was bang. Mm-hmm. And there we were. We joined her in the Philippines and then spent that time on, on that mighty vessel. She was, up until her retirement, the oldest operational passenger ship in the world. Wow. She was two years uh, younger than the Titanic. And she'd had multiple roles over her life. And one of them was a, she ran to Australia as an immigrant ship. And when we came back to Australia on her, we had some Italians come on board and say, I came on board this vessel or came to Australia on this vessel in 1950s. It was amazing. She had an incredible history. But like all ships, she's uh, sadly gone now. She didn't get to 100 years of age as an operational ship, but she got close. I think it was about 98 years. Or so. And her main role in the Christian ministry was taking literature into um, developing countries. So she was like known as the bookshop, bookship. I do remember yeah, that. Yeah. And, but in her hold, if you went below to see what was stacked below, there would be um, crates of uh, medical uh, supplies? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, not so much supplies, but educational books okay. for university students that might be in different countries. And all the books were in those languages. So there'd be educational material for people who really needed it, whether it was nursing, medicine, engineering, mechanical. It was all about educating. Mm, so ready to resource mm-hmm. the locals yep. wherever you yeah. went. Yep. That's it. In essence, YWAM Medical Ships is a Christian charity. It aims to care, connect, serve and build with individuals and communities 
wherever they travel. Now, you guys, you were just saying that when you met, you were not Christians at all. You had nothing to do with a Christian faith as such. You've shared how you met, but tell me in this instance, how did you actually come to make a decision for Christ and change your whole outlook on life and faith? That was an amazing journey. It started in Port Perry. I was a young mum. I had two little boys. I was a city girl. We're from Melbourne originally, so I love the city. And Wayne's career had taken us from a town of 2,000 in Wallaroo to a town of 12,000 in Port Pirie. Just a bit of a contrast. And I was I was struggling very badly. I was lonely, two little boys, postnatal depression, mm. and life could not have got mm. much lower than that. And the people across the road were from us, was a, it was an interesting house. It had a lot of coming and goings. There was always laughter and music. And I used to just sit and watch these people thinking, who are they? What do they do? Mm-hmm. Why are they always so happy? And that went on for quite a few months. And then one day I watched the lady, the, there was a husband and wife living there, and I went to go down to the shops and she was in her garden. She looked up and she said, hello, and she said, how do you like Port Perry? And for some reason, I'm normally a really positive person. I turned around and I looked at her and I said, I hate this place. Oh. And you never say that to mm. a woman like Margaret Smith, who was the pastor's wife of the AOG church in Port Perry. You were honest. I was, but I would never have normally been that honest to a stranger. And she just took that as the bait. And that afternoon there was a fresh peach pie on my back doorstep (laughs) and a knock on my door and I had this lady enter my home and my life and she shared the love of Christ practically and just, oh, she oozed the love of God. She really did. So it took one person to simply ask you that one question. It was that one question. And she became a part of my life, her husband as well. They saw how Wayne was coming and going a fair bit with his work. And we had no family around us. And they became family, very much part of our family. And little did we know that the whole church had been praying. Every Saturday, our names would be up on that board for Mm -hmm. prayer. And they prayed for us for probably six months and God was just working away at my stubborn old heart. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because, remember, you invited Cliff and Margaret over for a meal. Mm. And I said, oh, what did you do that for? We Wayne was afraid of them. Because Margaret was pretty full on. And um, Cliff came to our front door and he's, you know, I'm, I'm not tall, but Cliff's, you know, six foot two or something like that. And I said, well, you know, come in, but please, I don't want to talk about any religious things at all. And we had a lovely evening. And then later on in, in the evening, I couldn't help myself. And then I said things like, you don't really believe things like Jonah lived in a whale and all this, you know. And, and he conveyed, he really believed the Bible. I'd never met anyone. I'd met these so-called Christians and, and the like, but I never really met someone who had fully embraced the Bible. So that really challenged me. And, I, you know, that basically started the conversation and, and the walk for me. Chris was a little bit sooner than I, but I, I saw a genuine belief in this faith, which I had never seen before. Mm. Um, yeah, that was that was the catalyst for me. So you remained in Port Pirie for a certain length of time before moving to Mackay and then Brisbane. How long were you there for? We were in uh, Port Pirie for five years, five years. And in that time, it was a real time of discipleshipping. They 
got alongside us in, and nothing was ever too difficult. There were no questions we couldn't ask. Good foundations. Very, oh, very absolutely. good, solid foundations. And then we moved to Mackay. And by then we were sort of connected with church and our faith was really solid and we became involved with the Sunday school program. Yep, yep. Through your through having your boys, having your children yeah, at that uh, age? They were at Mackay Christian College. You know, that was sort of our family up there. So yep. we became heavily involved in both the school and the church there. And it was a good school, good church. We were there till two thousand. We had the little break on the dual loss for the, the year in ninety seven and we moved to Brisbane. You're listening to The Story. Today, Karen Hunt is chatting with Wayne and Chris Burke, who are sharing their story as a couple and about the unique ship ministry they're involved in. We'll hear more of their story when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Karen Hunt chatting with Wayne and Chris Burke, who are sharing their story as a couple and about the ship ministry they're involved in with Youth With A Mission, otherwise known as YWAM. Before the break, we heard how they both became Christians. Now we'll hear more of their story and about how they serve the Lord on a boat. Wayne, now you're still a marine pilot. You're based at home, you're telling me. How does that work with what you guys are involved with and what you're doing with YWAM? Once you're known in the marine circle, Mm -hmm. in the Christian marine circle, they basically know you from that day forwards. You're a wanted man. Yes, and and Marine Reach came in with the Pacific Link. There was another Christian organisation doing great work around the Fiji Island Group. And they asked me if I would help them because they need mariners. They're always after professional mariners. So uh, I went and served with them as uh, captain on the Pacific Link, working around the Fiji Island group. Nice. And Yeah, uh, but we were doing great work up there. We had a um, lot of um, cataract surgery because there's a lot of problems with eye issues up there because they're so close to the, the water all the time. They don't wear glasses. And so young people with cataract or blindness through cataracts. So I was involved with the ship ministry there. Subsequent to that, um, Marine Reach passed the vessel across to YWAM Medical Ship, mm-hmm. another affiliate of the YWAM family. Mm-hmm. And yes, yeah, so it's just progressed from there. Fascinating. You're definitely very specialised. Wow. Tell us what's happening with YWAM Medical Ships and what's the big deal of the moment, Chris? Well, we've just come back from Papua New Guinea and we were on the Pacific Link, mm-hmm. which is a much smaller ship to the Yamari. So its capacity, whilst we were there, there were 50 people on board, which included the crew, the medical volunteers, all the different departments that were needed. Whereas the Yamari, I believe, can take, is it 100, Wayne? Wow. So you're looking at double the capacity of yeah. service. So if you look at that as how many doctors or how many dentists or how many nurses mm-hmm. can go out into the Papua New Guinea communities to serve, you're looking at double the capacity. Oof. Now, I'm not from the shipping angle, but in relation to, what is it called, the draft or the depth 
of the Amari Wayne? Oh, operationally, she's going to be a lot more versatile because she'll be able to travel further up into the river system. Okay. Whereas the the vessel they have now, the Pacific Link, is a seagoing vessel, so it's it's quite deep in the water. So it was restricted in where it could travel in the river systems, particularly in the Gulf province, where probably the, um, the they're the neediest people in PNG. Mm. So we, we've just come back from the Gulf province, and so the Pacific Link would be at anchor in a wide area of the river, and then every morning... Um, the healthcare workers and volunteers, we'd get loaded onto the Zodiacs. There were three Zodiacs and we would do at least a one-hour journey upriver into sort of the shallower waters to the more remote villages. And these villages have absolutely no access to any form of medical facility. So in essence, Wayne, you're the captain of the ship. Yes. And Chris, you're involved with healthcare. Healthcare. Okay. I was part of uh, an immunisation program. We were doing TB screening as well. These are, are real health issues that actually claim lives, which mm. and they're treatable mm-hmm. health issues. But to understand the villages, you've got to realise they travel in dugout canoes. You go into a village. There are no shops. There are no push bikes. There are no roads. These are people who are living in some of the... I've never been to such remote places. Mm. And to see the... uh, uh, They understand each year that the YWAM medical teams will be coming in. And so they're they're prepared. They're waiting for us. They are. And every day we would be starting at about nine o'clock and we'd be going nonstop till about five, providing... The immunisation program, we would have midwives doing prenatal checks, we would have um, nurses doing tropical wound care, we would have doctors doing, um, you know, more serious. We even had a minor surgical uh, procedure one day with a a chap who had an epileptic fit and split his head open. Mm. They're living in the mud as Mm. well. So Mm. you try and picture all that. And if a woman has complication in pregnancy, Mm. she has to get in a dugout and be taken three hours to the nearest medical facility. That's how remote these areas are. I was looking at some research just earlier and I was actually astounded to see that one in five children die before the age of five. That's right. That's sad. It is sad. And and a lot of that is treatable if they have medical facilities around them. When you think of the dental work as well, one dentist per, what, 100,000 people? Yes, yes. The people up there suffer in silence. They are right on our doorstep and they don't complain about it, but they do definitely suffer from things that we can help them with. That's why we've embraced YWAM medical <laughs> ships. That's why we've become involved in it and that's why we're helping to try and promote this current trip down the East Coast, raising awareness of the amazing work of these people. Well, it's so easy for us to sit back in our cushy chairs and our cushy cars and think, oh dear, first world problems, you know, every single day. But what's going on around the world is huge. You guys, congratulations for taking the initiative and just being available, one, but willing, two, to serve and give in the way that you are. It's amazing you come home and you turn your tap on Mm -hmm. and the clean 
water comes out yes. the tap and you don't take it for granted yep. anymore because you see there are many people in the world that just don't have even things like that. It's incredible. Part of the group that go on to these other uh, medical ship are from the Townsville base. They are the DTS group. Young people from all over the world come to Townsville to do a six-month discipleship training program and part of their outreach is to go on the ship to PNG. So you've got these wonderful young people who are passionate for God and uh, wanting to serve Him. So, you know, if people are interested even in doing a discipleship training course through Townsville and then become a part of that ship ministry, they can use it that way as an entrance as well. Now, of course, there are DTSs available all over the world, different parts of Australia, but that one sounds pretty well, good to our, go on a ship at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> our youngest son did that last did year. So two of our sons really? have actually done DTSs yeah. through YWAM Townsville. And our young son last year, Luke, he went to Papua New Guinea on the Pacific Link. And how old is he again? He's 23 now. Hmm. So, And then Matt, who is 26 uh, the year before, he he was in Townsville. He did a DTS with them. But he also worked on the Pacific Link while she was in Townsville through Cyclone Yassi. Yeah. He was on that boat at June. So oh, we all, bless him. our family has a little bit of history yes. connected to the old ship, which is quite amazing. That is very, very special. Yeah. Is it? It yeah. is. Replacement time. Yes. All done. That's right. Over and out. Well, it sounds like God's got big things in store. There's a lot more work to be done. If people want to find out more, what's oh, the website? Absolutely. Where is the best place to go to uh, get all the details about the tour, about the organisation, about the ship and the ministry? Yes. If you do a Google search, just go YWAM Medical Ships, and there's some wonderful videos on there of showing you the incredible work that these people are doing up there, helping people in dire need. Sounds very special. Guys, thank you so much for coming on in. God bless you as you continue in all that you're doing. God bless the work of YWAM, specifically with the medical ships at the moment. And thanks for all those years of service. Bless you. Bye-bye. That was Karen Hunt chatting with Wayne and Chris Burke who shared their story as a couple and about the unique ship ministry they're involved in with Youth With A Mission, otherwise known as YWAM. It was great to hear how God has been using Wayne's unique skills as a ship captain, as well as Chris's medical background. To find out more about their ministry, just go to ywamships.org.au. That's ywamships.org.au. Well, Wayne and Chris's story of serving the Lord on a boat is just one more example of the wide variety of wonderful ways that God can use our gifts and our talents for His glory and to help people in need. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. When I was married to Graham, I helped him with sorting out medicines and ordering medicines for the patients at the leprosy home. And I used to go out with him, you know, on Sundays I'd go out to the villages, but I wasn't actively doing missionary work per se. It was only after he died that I sort of took over his role. Gladys Staines was born in Ipswich, Queensland, and went on to serve as a missionary to people affected by leprosy in India, along with her husband, Graham. Sadly, tragedy struck and her husband and two sons were killed in 1999. Gladys will share her life journey with us next time. The Story. story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. 